If I could get a couple ushers to, to come over here to that table real quick. I forgot to announce, too, that we, we have, we give these out to whoever wants them, and we still have plenty left, but it's a daily devotional. It's a quarterly thing, and we pass these out. If anybody wants one of those, would you raise your hand? We'll get those. Anybody want this devotional? Yes, there are several. If we could just go ahead and hand those out. Here, you can take that one, too, in case you need it. Thank you. We'll make sure that... Uh, it's good to stay in the Word of God, and that, that's a good way to keep you organized and um, keep it in a systematic way of studying the Scriptures, and I know that it will help. Anything that will help you stay in the Word uh, is, is important, and we are happy to uh, give those things out. So I'm encouraged by the group that we have in our connections and uh, going over the uh, uh, the, the book that we have and learning some areas of why we believe what we believe. And so we want to, uh, all right, hopefully we still, we still have a few there. Yeah. And, and we'll order some more. We'll have them in a week. All right. So we'll, we will get you more if we're out. Okay. All right. So we'll order some more guys and we'll have them. Uh, we should have them hopefully in a week. So We'll get them back to you next week. So, <clears throat> all right. So, <laughs> I think that was a scream of joy. <laughs> uh, older I get, the more I, en I enjoy the kids, and and uh, probably because I'm done raising them, <laughs> now I can enjoy them, right? So. I think I'm done raising them, I hope, and so we, we think they're mature in some days, and then other days you think, yep, I'm, my wife messed up on that part. <laughs> uh, Matthew chapter 18, Matthew chapter 18, <clears throat> you know, I, I know we are, we're just in such a battle for the hearts of our children, and you know, I was I was reading just a, a, oh, a couple of weeks ago. I was reading about um, King David and his son Absalom, who uh, rebelled against him and and actually sought to uh, kill his dad and to take over the kingdom. And and it tells us that what Absalom did is that uh, he won the hearts of Israel. And, and in doing so, he was able to convince many to uh, 200 leaders actually in the palace to turn their backs on David and to seek to kill him. And, um, and so it, it just wakes you up to uh, the ideas that we have in this world that so many things are trying to win the hearts of our children and it's trying to win the hearts of us. And so... One of the tactics of the devil is to just continue to bombard you uh, with the, the false ideas and the lies that he has. And uh, we, we want to do everything we can to look in the scripture and see how God uh, contradicts those lies and, and brings the truth to uh, evidence and where we can see that. And I pray that these things can help. And today, I... Uh, the, the theme, obviously, we have VBS this week, and so 
Uh, the theme is, is more focused at our children, and uh, uh, today I titled the message, Let the Children Come. I, uh, I, I hope and pray that after I am long gone and dead and in the grave, the body's in the grave, and my soul is in heaven, that this church continues to carry on the legacy of reaching the hearts of our children, and that we always have that. I, I hope that we, we always have marks on the walls and, and dents in the doors and, you know, and, and I, I don't know, just the sign of life and the, and the sign of, of kids doing those kinds of things. And, and uh, you know, with kids, you have, little bit of, you have little messes, all right? But I want you to know, as a pastor and being a pastor of adults, that you adults leave bigger messes than children. All right, the messes that the children leave, you can sweep up, you can clean up, you can throw in the trash, you know, and you can make it work, you can paint over it. But the messes that y'all have as adults, they're a little bit more uh, 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 sophisticated <laughs> and uh, a little bit more of an issue, right? And so, but I hope that we always hear those screams of delight of uh, children that are going to their classes, and, and even that blood-curdling scream of that child for the first time in the nursery. And uh, I just hope that we always see and hear those uh, little kids running around and, and what a joy it is. What, what, a, what a tremendous thing that God led us to start that clam uh, eight years ago. This will be our ninth year coming up and, and uh, reaching into our community and, and just telling our children about Jesus Christ. You know, I heard, I heard uh, a testimony or someone sent me a text and uh, somewhere that had uh, counseled a kid and talked to a child and the child said, I just want to be somewhere where I know that I'm loved. And uh, well, this is the place. And uh, let's make sure that we always love our children. Doesn't mean that we always agree with everything that they do and we will continue to correct them and we'll continue to help them and lead them in the way that they need to go but we will always do our best to love them and the importance of that and in chapter 18 of Matthew we see a, a picture of Jesus and his love uh, for children and I, I do believe that as Jesus was walking through the 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 uh, different cities and walking through the country, that he always had a throng of people around him. We know that, and sometimes he'd have to sneak off into the mountain to get away and uh, pray to his father and find some solitude. They would get on a boat sometimes and, and, and ship off into the, into the sea where they could get away and have some quiet time. But I think for the most of the time that Jesus in his ministry, for those three and a half years, that he was thronged with people. And and I just believe that in that throng of people, there was this little group of kids that followed him wherever he went. <clears throat> and he loved those kids, and I know that he did. We know several places in the Gospels where the disciples were trying to push the kids away, and, and Jesus said, suffer not the little children. Don't, don't do that. Don't, don't push them aside. Don't, don't, don't uh, uh, think that they are insignificant, but rather let them come to me and and so we come to this passage here, and a little bit different than that, but it's going to give us some life lessons as we give thought to this week as 
you know what we will be doing this week? We will be serving Jesus by serving children. You ever thought of that? I mean, it really does mess with one's pride. It, it really does mess with your ego if you are thinking that I am much better than to be serving a bunch of these snot-nosed little twerps that uh, are going to give me a headache all week. But that is what we're going to be doing. We are going to be serving Jesus by serving kids. And so we, we need to understand that and understand that it is a biblical principle that God has given us here in Matthew chapter 18. And let's look at this. And, and I have six verses, verses 1 through 6. I have six points. And so I, I'm going to do my best to emulate Pastor Davis. I, we went to uh, Fruita, Colorado on Wednesday afternoon and uh, Thursday morning had a funeral service for Dwayne Davis. He was my wife's pastor growing up. It was under his ministry that Teresa trusted Christ. It was under his ministry that I surrendered to the ministry. And as a matter of fact, I looked in my files and in the month of July of this year, it was 35 years ago that Pastor Davis came to, to Trenton, Missouri and preached a series of messages in uh, uh, that week. And, and there was one night that week, and I don't remember which night it was, but he told me later, he said, I was arguing with God. I had a message picked out, and, and he kept laying on my heart to preach a message on Christian service. And he's like, Lord, it's a small group here, and there's no reason to do this, and I want to preach this message. But he ended up preaching the message on Christian service, and it was that night that I surrendered my life to, to full-time ministry to do whatever God wanted me to do. And I will forever be thankful that he listened to the calling of the Holy Spirit to preach that message, and God used that to prick my heart. And I know beyond a shadow of doubt, as much as I know that I'm on my way to heaven, that God called me that night into the ministry. And, and I am so thankful for uh, Pastor Davis doing that. But one of the things that Pastor Davis was known for, when it got to noon, he stopped. He just stopped. He said, I could go on, but I'm not going to. I'm going to try my best to start emulating that, okay? You guys might have to help me, so when it gets to noon, everybody go like this. Yeah. <laughs> and you may just make me mad, and I'll go 30 more minutes. I'm teasing. But we, uh, you know, Pastor Davis taught me some things, too. He taught me how to be a pastor. Uh, he was from Arkansas. He couldn't pronounce words properly in some pen, pen, danorama, rama, rama, he would call it. Um, and there were some others. But, you know, the one thing that he did is he loved people and he was always visiting and uh, he just always dedicated his life to, to people. And uh, I'll always appreciate that about Pastor Davis. And if there are some things to emulate, that's one that I'd need to do uh, more so on. But anyway, they also called him Pastor Beans because he always had a pocket full of jelly beans to give to the kids after service. And so it was always fun to watch those kids come up to him and stand there looking up at him, and he'd pull out his pocket. He'd have a whole big handful of jelly beans uh, in his hand, so they'd call him Pastor Beans. So um, it's just good to love kids. And we, we uh, sometimes can get so caught up in, 
in dogging our kids and uh, calling them a lazy generation, but you ever given thought? They learned that from someone. And so let's be careful before we start pointing too many fingers and, and let's, uh, let's make sure that we understand how important children are and, and what they are to God. So let's look at this and let's see in verse 1. First of all, we see a prideful request and, and at the same time uh, came the disciples unto Jesus saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of God? Uh, in the kingdom of heaven. And so here they are. They, Jesus ha, has been dealing with some other issues here, and, and, and we know that, that um, <clears throat> through the, he's been very busy, and I don't want to go back and spend time on that, but uh, some very important aspects of ministry had been taking place, and, and here we come to a point where they really ought to be concerned about something different than this, but here they are arguing amongst themselves, and, and, they are, and they come to Jesus, and they ask him, who is the greatest in the kingdom of God? And, and it's a prideful request, because here they are, they're concerned about their position in this kingdom. And you know what pride does? First of all, we, we need to, first of all, have a proper biblical perspective of what pride is. And, and in, in Proverbs chapter 16, you can... Follow with me over there if you would like. Proverbs 16, we're going to look at verses 18 and 19. And as soon as I get there, I'll, I'll read those to you. But here a reminder of pride and, and what it does to us. And it says, Pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. Better it is to be of a humble spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. Micah 6 and verse 8, He has showed thee, O man, what is good, and what doth the Lord require of thee, but to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. Oh, how important it is that we understand who we are, and let us be careful and keep control of our pride. And, and then Jesus even made the statement in Matthew chapter 23 and verse 12, and he says, And whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased, and he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. And so here we know and understand that there is really there is nothing in ourselves that we ought to be proud of. As a matter of fact, we ought to be aware of, of how wicked we can be in our own selves and, and, and how if we let ourselves go and, and just do whatever our desires are, that, that we'll end up in a mess very quickly. And we don't want to be that, and, and we need to have a proper perspective of pride. And, and we also need to understand that, that if we have a proper perspective, a biblical perspective of pride, then we'll also have a biblical perspective of Jesus and who he is. And here the disciples, they're asking, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And, and as you go further and as you watch and, and read about them, they're, they're still in their minds thinking that, Jesus is there to set up a physical kingdom and that he's going to become the king and, and they're going to be his servants and, and, and they're going to serve with him in this physical kingdom and they're going to have their nation back and they're going to have their identity back and they're, they're going to have their worship back where the Romans aren't going to be telling them what to do or any other country is going to tell them but Jesus is going to be that great king and great leader and their concern then is 
where are we going to be? You know, uh, where are we going to have, what position, God, are we going to have in, in this kingdom? And, and we really are concerned about our own promotion. And, and you see, the, the disciples were looking at this earthly kingdom, and they were thinking of these earthly promotions, and pride has a way of blinding you to the truth. And so Jesus knew that all along that he, he was going to bring in an illustration that was going to show them that his kingdom was far greater than anything that could be established here on earth. And so he brings in a precious example in verse 2, and Jesus called a little child unto him and set him in the midst of them. You know what I picture? I, I know it's my imagination, okay, but... I, I picture this little guy or this little girl. It doesn't matter. You can choose whichever. It is either a boy or a girl, though, okay? And, and so we're leaving it at that. But you know what I picture? I picture, I just picture a little boy, okay? And, and I picture this little boy, and he's got these streaks of dirt all over his cheeks, and, and, he's, and they're streaked because he's been sweating because it's hot and it's arid, and and, you know, so you got these little clean streaks where the sweat's been running down. And, and he's probably got this big old green snot hanging out of his nose, you know, like most little boys do. And he, <laughs> you know, and, 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 he's, and he's got his little outfit on that, that he snuck out that morning without his mom catching him. And, and it's the same outfit he's probably had on for three days and, and hiding from his mama, you know, and and, and he probably just doesn't smell real good either. Anybody here have teen boys? And so, <laughs> I just got a picture of that, you know, probably barefooted. And he's, you know, he's been tearing around. And, 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 and here he is, you know, he, he, was, he was over there fishing in the stream and having a good time. Probably supposed to have been in school. And, and here he is, he's over there trying to catch a fish. And then, here comes Jesus, and he's like, sets his pole down, and he walks over there to see what all is going on. And, and lo and behold, here is the master of the universe. Here is the God of creation that is enveloped in this flesh. And he looks at this little boy, and he says, come here. Come here. And so he brings this little child unto him and set him in the midst of them. Now, the, the first child would would have somewhat of standing in, in the family, but most children during that time, they, they were a gift of God, but, but really they, they had no standing in the Mosaic Law. They had no rights in the Mosaic Law, and, and for the most part, it was kind of like uh, growing up in the, in the Southern Baptist Church that I, that I went to. You were a child that you were to be seen and not heard. You know what I'm saying? And so you're going to be quiet, and you ain't going to make any noise, and you're not going, definitely not going to bring up any disruptions. And if you do, it's out to the street, where we all know I've had that traumatic experience. And so the children had no rights, and, and here he brings this little child in the midst of them. He gives us an example of this also over in Mark chapter 9. And this is what he says here in Mark 9, verse 33 through 37. And he came to Capernaum, and being in the house, he asked them, What was it that you disputed among yourselves by the way? 
But they held their peace, for by the way they had disputed among themselves who should be the greatest. And he sat down. You see, he knew how important it was to deal with pride at that very moment. And they're walking along, and he's asking them, and as soon as he hears this, and he already knew, but he wanted to show them the importance of this, he sat down and called the twelve and said unto them, If any man desire to be first, the same shall be last of all and servant of all. I, I can't, uh, moving on. I deal with a lot of preachers who'd have a real hard time with that. And maybe this is a message I need to preach at the next fellowship. You know, there's so many preachers that want to have a seat at the table. And if you don't understand about that, that's okay. But there's a special table that so many preachers set up, and you really got to work hard to get a seat at that table. Uh, just no thank you. You know, first of all, we're never going to have that table. And secondly, I just find it disgusting that there, there would be any thought of hierarchy in, in the ministry. And if any man desire to be first, the same shall be last of all and servant of all. And he took a child and set him in the midst of them. And when he had taken him in his arms, he said unto them, Whosoever shall receive one of such children in my name receiveth me. And whosoever shall receive me, receiveth not me, but him that sent me. You know, and, and, and I give thought to this, and Jesus immediately, when he asks them and they answer him what they're talking about, he sees the importance to stop what they're doing, and he sits down with them, brings this child, says, you want to be first, then be last. You want to be first, then learn to serve others. Jesus came not to be ministered unto, but to minister. And so we need to understand, and, and here he brings this precious example in front of us. And you know what this week brings us? It brings us an opportunity to serve the least of our community. And to let them know that they are important, and let them know that they are loved, and even if mom and dad are not around, or if there's nobody in the community maybe that they feel like they can reach out to, they need to know that they can at any time, any moment, anywhere reach out to the Almighty God who loves them with an unconditional love. Oh, what a precious example. And then a poignant statement in verse 3, and, and how this is how serious this is in Verse 3, he says, and said, Verily I say unto you. When, when you see that word verily in your King James Bible, it's just saying that, hey, pay attention. He's emphasizing something. He wants you to know that this is very important that you hear what it is that I am telling you to listen to. And except ye be converted. You see, it's a very, it's a, it, 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 he, uh, uh, it's an exclusionary statement that he is making. He's not saying that, hey, everybody is going to be okay. He is saying here, and he's very exclusionary, that, that if you are going to see the kingdom of heaven, then you must be converted. You must, as it says here, make a turnabout. You might need to turn around, 
You need to repent of some things that are going on in your life right now, okay? Now, I know that he's talking to these saved men that are here, but we need to understand that this also is a plea to salvation and that you need to understand today that until you come to a point where you repent of some things, you need to repent of who you think Jesus is. Jesus isn't just a good man who died on that cross. Jesus is God himself. You need to repent of your thoughts and ideas of why did he die on the cross. He didn't die just for your dirty old neighbor that's a mean old grouch or whatever. He died for you. He was God who died for the sins of the world. And that we need to understand that he died for each one of us. And we need to change our minds and our hearts about thinking about who Jesus is. We need to have a change of mind and what we are, we are a sinner in, in, and on our way to hell because of our rejection of Jesus. And we all sin and come short of the glory of God. You know, the devil wants us to, to think of that lie that the world tells us all the time that it's, it's Christians that are so judgmental. And I say, I dare say, but that's a lie straight from the pits of hell because you know what ultimately it is. It's the world who's looking down on us because the world is saying, I don't need God. I'm good enough. I'll be there by myself. They think of all the things that they can think of that this is a heaven that they're going to think about and, and all it is is a lie of the devil and everybody here needs to understand that you need to have a change of mind and a change of heart in your sin and who Jesus is and you need to come to him with a faith and a trust and a humility that even a child has and humble yourself and so accept you be converted and become as little children. When you deal with children and our counselors, you guys need to hear this. When you deal with children, best thing that you can do is ask them questions. Don't lead them. Don't be careful. Don't don't be a like a lawyer where you are going to lead them to make certain decisions or make certain statements. You just ask them questions and answer their questions that they have and and you just keep asking and, and let them ask you and you answer their questions. When you're at home and you have a little child, they ask a question, answer the question according to Scripture. Leave it at that. And then you just continue to do that. And, you know, I had a little, little guy years ago come to me and, and uh, said, I want to trust Jesus as my Savior. Why do you want to do that? Because he died on the cross. And I said, well, let me ask you a question, Okay. You know what a sinner is? Yep, it's when they do something wrong. They do something that God don't like. That's right. Well, do you sin? Mm-mm. <laughs> My sister does. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'd agree with that. My sister does too. So we just sat and talked for a while, and he went back. And then later on, he got a little older. He understood more. And then he understood, hey, I'm a sinner. I, and I need Jesus, and you know what's fun is when you see a child, and you see how God and the Holy Spirit works in that little child's life, and they come to you, and, and, they, and they pray from the sincerity of their heart in just a simple, basic prayer, and trusting in the sacrifice that Jesus had made, and calling on Him to be their Savior, you truly see the simple faith of a child. You know what He says here? You know, it, it, it doesn't take much. 
usually for that little guy or that little girl to understand that, yep, I'm bad. They admit it pretty quick. You know what I found as we get older and the longer we deny Jesus, that it becomes a whole lot harder for someone that's 50 to admit that, yeah, you're a sinner. And you've offended a holy God. But I'm telling you that you need to humble your heart and you need to have the faith as a, as a child and become as little children and repent of those things that are going on in your life and in your thoughts and your mind. Realize who Jesus is. Realize what your sin has done and, and has truly signed and sealed your fate to hell unless you go to the only one that can stop you from going there and that's Jesus. Call on him to be your savior. Because he says here, except you be converted and become as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. You shall not. Emphatic. In the Koine Greek, I'll teach you guys a lesson today. Ume. Okay? So next time you want to tell your child to never do something, go up to him and go, Ume! Don't ever do that. They'll think, what kind of tongue is he speaking in today? But don't you will never ever enter into the kingdom of heaven. Without repentance, you have nothing. And so we repent. And so it is a poignant statement. But there's also a promising promotion in verse 4. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child. You know what humble, the, the picture of, of humility is? Lord, I'm a sinner. And I just give myself to you and I don't even have the, I don't even have the, the, the willingness to even turn and look up to you and try to look you in the eye. But Lord, I'm so ashamed of these things that I've done and I'm so ashamed of who I am and, and I'm so ashamed that I have rejected you for so long, and that is a humility that God is talking about. That's hard to do. I mean, it truly is hard to do. It's, it's a whole lot easier for a little child to do that than we who have experience in our lives and, and, and we who are, are walking and, and have such a reputation to uphold. And, and we don't want people to see that. We want people to think we're strong and, and we can carry on. Well, I want you to know, I don't care how strong you are, this life will break you without Christ as your Savior. It'll make you angry and bitter. It'll drive you to the point where you try to use things in the world to mask and cover up the, the, the hurt and, and all of the things that's going on in your life. But Jesus can deliver you. But you have to be willing to humble yourself as this little child the same is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. I'm so glad there's no hierarchy in heaven. So grateful that all is equal there when we get there. You know what he tells us, though? He tells us while we're here that not only do we humble ourselves to trust in the God of the universe, the Savior of the world, but then he tells us to walk humbly with him, knowing that left to ourselves that we can make a debacle of, of our entire lives and the testimony that we have and, and how we need to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit and be honoring and pleasing to Him and do those things and walk humbly with Him and, 
and, and know that, that if you want to be first, then let's be last while we're here. Let us not be concerned about finding a seat at the table. Let us be concerned about serving the table. That's a promising promotion that he gives us. And then he gives us that perfect pattern in verse 5. And whoso shall receive one such little child in my name receiveth me. <clears throat> we, <clears throat> Bob, Pastor Davis's son, read these verses in the, the message on his, on his uh, funeral service the other day in John, John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35. Jesus said, A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another, as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. You know, he tells us in this verse, he says, And whoso shall receive one such little child in my name, receiveth me. To, to receive in this idea here means to welcome them. You know, it doesn't matter what little little kid comes tomorrow. You know, some of them, I'm, I'm terrible. I've, I've said that I want to get their autograph because I know they're going to be the next Charles Manson. And so, <laughs> I am certain that I gave my autograph to a lot of teachers when I was a little boy. <laughs> and I'm glad to prove them wrong, that I was not the second Charles Manson. God can do some wonderful things. I know of a bus kid who ended up becoming the president of a Bible college. Isn't that awesome? I, I know of a bus kid who, who married a pastor, and, and she's the wife now of a pastor who pastors the church of 6,000. I think of what God can do with those that are in our church family. What can God do with our children? What can God do with the children that come to vacation Bible school? And what can God do with that one little child that comes? Some, some of these little bus kids show far more character than, than, than some of the children that are raised in a Christian home, solid home, where mom and dad are making them do the things. And, and they come and they got a sour attitude. And you pick up some little bus kid who wants to come to VBS, whose mom is, is strung out on the couch, higher than a kite. Dad is nowhere in the picture. And, and this little child gets themselves dressed and, and, and eats a peanut butter and jelly sandwich or grabs a cookie on the way out or whatever they have or, or maybe hopes that there's something at church to eat when they get there. And, and so they come all on their own character wanting to do this. And, and they need to be able to come and know. They are welcome and loved and wanted and wanted. Oh, how we ought to receive them. That's Christ-like. And then a portentous fact in verse 6. But whoso shall offend? If you cause one to stumble, one of these little ones which believe in me. You know, this is a solemn warning, okay? This is, and, and I don't know how you tell the parents. 
you go pick up some little child and bring them to vacation Bible school, and, and the parents just send them because, hey, that's the two hours of freedom. We can, we can go do whatever we want to do. We, I don't know, whatever it is, you know, they're ungodly, whatever they want to do that's ungodly, and they're, and they're just seeking a way to get rid of their kids and get them out of the, uh, their responsibility for a while, and, and they think they could care nothing about God. They teach nothing about God in their home. They don't tell anyone about Jesus. They don't care about it. They don't have a Bible around. Matter of fact, they probably don't want the kids to have it, but hey, this is, you know, these, these crazy nuts at Platte Valley want to bring my kid, then fine, I'm going to get them out of here, and and you know what happens? That little child starts coming, and they find out about the love of Jesus, and they trust Jesus Christ as their Savior. This is a warning. This is a warning. If you will offend one of these little ones which believe in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and that he were drowned in the depth of the sea. That's pretty harsh. Now let's get it a little closer home. What about us as Bible-believing, God-fearing families? What if we let distract our children and take us away from hearing the Word of God? I mean, if my little guy was in that age group and I don't know if I should do this. I'm probably going to tick somebody off, but I guess I just will, okay? I had this struggle, okay? We did. Let's say that he had a baseball tournament this week. It was going to be gone all week. Baseball tournament, VBS. You know what? You make the hard call. It's really not a hard call. VBS. I would never, ever want to stand in the way of what God wants to do with my child. And we should be very careful with that. Because you know the one thing that I've learned, and it's through some hard experiences, and, and I'm still learning this. Those kids are not mine. They're God's. We need to understand, and I was praying this even this morning, that Lord... You love my children more than I do, and I need to be reminded of that because I, I know how much I love my kids. But, Lord, you love them more, and I trust you. And I trust you to do the right thing with them. And I trust you to do the, the hard things with them. But what I want to do is I want to set the example that my children know that God comes First, all the time. All the time. We better do that. We better do that. Because I think that solemn warning, let us be careful. You're messing with something that is God's. Your children are not your own. When that child, one of these little ones, which believe in me, it brings a great responsibility. I'm not saying that we just cast aside all the sports and all of the activities that are out there. I'm not saying that at all. So don't, don't go out and say that, well, he's against everything. No, I'm not. I'm just against it if it's in the wrong perspective. 
Make it in the right perspective. Pray with me that this church will get large enough that we can have our own baseball teams, that we can have our own basketball teams, we can have our own wrestling teams. (laughs) Shooting sports. I mean, and where we can teach them, have it in the right perspective. As they say, your child has about .001% chance of becoming a professional athlete, but 100% chance of standing in front of God. And so let's prepare our children. Let the children come. Let them come. Let us be the example that we need to be. Let us raise them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Let them know that they are cared for. Let them know that they are welcome. Let them know that they're loved. This is what God has done for us, hasn't he? So let's be Christ-like. Let the children come. God, give us however many. I know this will scare all these teachers half to death, but wouldn't it be awesome to break 200 kids this year? I mean, I just just oozing, you know? Every door, you open every door and there's kids oozing out of the building. That would be great. Teachers are going, we'll love them, but let's keep it to a minimum. No, whatever God wants to bring. But let's just realize and understand how simple salvation is. For us as parents, for us as adults, let's not make it difficult. Let's truly understand how much God loves us. Let the children come. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that everyone sitting here today can go to you right now. And Father, they can can stand there and look you in the eye and give you a, a Bible reason why they know that they're on their way to heaven. The Bible reason is that they know and understand that Jesus said you must be born again. That you need to confess with your mouth that which you believe in your heart. And that, Father, in their trust and their faith in the saving work of Christ, that they have trusted you, that they have a repentant and a humble heart, and that they have called upon you for salvation. Lord, I pray that everyone in here could say that. Lord, you know the hearts of each one. And Father, I pray that you will search their hearts today. Lord, if there be one today that they're being honest with themselves and they say, you know what, Lord, I, I, don't, I don't know that, then Lord, I pray that you prick their hearts and that today, in their own words, that they confess what's going on in their hearts that they humbly cry unto you, admitting that they're a Savior, repenting of their sins, repenting of their thoughts of who Jesus is, that they realize that you are the Savior and they call on you to save them. Lord, we know that as soon as they call on you and asking you to save them, that you forgive them, you restore them, And you have a place prepared for them. Father, in all your power and all of your abilities, when one does that, they're safe and secure in your hands. 
and we thank you. And I pray if there's one that hasn't, that, Father, you'd work in their heart and that, Lord, today they will have settled that in their lives. And, Father, you give them that new heart, a new creation. They start telling others. They tell others about the love that Jesus has for them. Father, I pray that we'll see many children this week come to trust you as their Savior, knowing that they're loved by God Almighty, and that, Father, that their place is secured in heaven. Lord, whatever you need to do in our hearts today to use us as believers, if there is sin in our lives as believers we need to get rid of, help us to do so today. Confess it, leave it here, and move forward in our walk with you. Lord, we love you. And I pray that you will be honored and glorified in all that we do. In Jesus' name, amen. 550, softly and tenderly, is God calling on your heart? You, you, look, if you, if you prayed and asked Christ to save you this morning, I want you to know that if you, by faith and humility, you've come to him in that repentant heart, that he saved you today. And so make certain of that, and you know that. And if you have, then come and tell me. Come after the service or come during the, this time and tell me and I have a gift for you I want you to have and take it home and help you and just know that you're on your way to heaven. And if you are a believer and there's just some filthy stuff in your life that you need to get rid of, lay it down today. Confess it to God. Give it to him today and walk out of here refreshed, cleansed of those things, and let's move forward and be what God wants us to be. 550, the first verse, let's all stand as we sing. Softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling, calling for you and for me. See on the portals, he's waiting and watching. Watching for you and for me. Come home, come home. You are really come home. Nestle tenderly, Jesus is calling. Thirty-five years of doing this, and I wouldn't trade anything for it. What a joy it is to watch what God does in the hearts of people, and I am just looking forward to seeing what God's going to do this week in the hearts of many kids in our community. God bless you. Have a wonderful day. You can be here, back here at 5 o'clock tonight. Love to see you. You're dismissed.